Hello, and welcome to the Tamra Talk Circular podcast. In this particular episode, we will be looking at a tried and true waste management model that's proven to increase the amount of recovery of high value material before it's actually lost to incineration. My name is Mitu Moran, and our guest today to discuss this is Anaud Tevinkel, Area Sales Manager for Tomra. Anaud, nice to have you here. Hi, Mitu. Thank you. Happy to join. So, Anaud, you're from the Netherlands, what's considered to be one of the most sustainable countries in the world. And along with the EU, the country is committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 49% by 2030 and a whopping 95% by 2050. We're comparing, of course, the levels to what was existent in 1990. It's a huge, huge endeavor. And I'm guessing that this needs to be addressed from different angles. Can you tell us about some of the initiatives that are in place and maybe some that are even coming? Yeah, sure. I think we need to go a bit back into history and define how we got to this ambitious goal because the fact is we were more or less forced to do it by a court case that was brought to the Supreme Court by certain environmental groups in 2014. The last year, the court upheld the case, which forced the government to reduce the emissions to 25% below the 1990 levels by the end of 2020. So this was last year. Um, this is actually the first climate change case that has forced the government to enact policy this way. And I expect to see it also in other European countries in the near future. If we look at some concrete examples of this policy, they are actually very diverse. They vary from local initiatives, such as subsidization of renewable energy projects, home refits for inhabitants, to a more national strategy for reduction of livestock numbers, for instance, targeted reforestation and lowering the national speed limit on highways. In addition, more focused on our area of expertise, for instance, several new coal power plants are to be closed or run at minimum capacity. And last but not least, the strategy has focused on investing in an efficient ways to energy process reduced emissions. Okay, so the last one you mentioned was waste to energy. And in fact, in recent years, incineration has been on the rise and actually promoted as a green solution when we're looking at how to dispose of waste. And compared to landfilling, it actually is. But in a recent study by Tarma, where we talk about the holistic resource system, we talk about further reducing CO2 emissions if we actually recover or sort out valuable material before it's lost to incineration. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, it's actually an interesting topic. We discussed it already in some previous episodes. There are actually several benefits from recovery of valuable plastics. So the knife has two edges in this particular case. First of all, we reduce the CO2 emission by not burning the toxic high calorific materials, which is completely in line with European Union emission targets. And in addition to that, the recovery of recycled plastics reduces the use of primary resources. So... In this case, we recover more material to recycle, which also in turn results in reducing the CO2 emission. So as you might know, the use of recycled content on the market is promoted increasingly. And this material is not always available on the market uh, at this moment. So this fact forces us to look outside the existing sources and look more into recovery of valuable materials out of the mixed waste streams. 
and the recovery from plastics out of household waste is a very important factor on this. We just need to recover as much valuable material as possible to meet the uh, European Union quotas. For instance, the specific target for plastic packaging recycling by 2025 is 50%. And we are still a long way from that, but I think we are on the right track. Okay, well, that's certainly optimistic. And it's nice to see that. There are several examples of this particular process in place in Norway, in the Netherlands. I'm sure there are others. What's been going on in the last few years? Well, since I'm a Dutch inhabitant myself, of course, I've watched the developments in the Dutch market closely. I started working with Tomra in 2009 and the first initiatives already immediately started. We had some nice discussions about the potential recovery of valuables and this led to the first concrete project where the recovery was initiated by a Dutch company called Atero in 2011. At first, they only recovered mixed plastics and multiple streams, rigid material films and beverage cartons. They were recovered from the household waste by a mechanical recycling process. Later, they built their own treatment to further create monopolymer fractions with a high quality. And based on this, uh, partially in parallel, other companies like Omren, uh, AEB in Amsterdam, HVC and AVR, all incineration companies or mainly incineration companies invested in advanced mechanical recycling processes to recover more valuables from the waste. Okay. One of the companies that you just mentioned is AVR. And on their website, they actually talk about a CO2 ladder and their role in it. Can you help us understand that a little bit better? Yeah, of course. I'll be happy to clarify it a little bit. So I understand that the CO2 ladder is not a well-known term for everyone, but I will try to explain it a little bit. So the CO2 ladder is meant as an instrument to support the transition to a low CO2 society by deriving as much of components as possible from residual waste. So AVR typically does that. They state they do it by recovering all raw materials and feeding them back into society and by drawing as much sustainable energy as possible from the incineration process and by reducing their own energy consumption and making the process more sustainable. So if I translate this to a simple example, what they do is they supply heat, electricity and steam to households and companies in the regions of their sites, which in turn saves companies from having to generate their own heat and in that way release uh, CO2 and reduce CO2 emission. They also have other projects ongoing, which include, for instance, an initiative to recover CO2 from their fuel gas chimney which in case can be used in greenhouses uh, to reduce the fossil gas consumption for CO2. So to summarize up to a concrete number, in 2020, AVR reduced an equivalent of more than 22,000 tons of CO2 through the separation of plastics and beverage cartons. And this does not even include the other projects and initiatives they have. So it's definitely interesting. It's definitely a very dynamic process, which is continuously improving. And yeah, as we stated in the beginning, we also need to do this to be able to meet the ambitious targets the government set for the whole country. And it sounds like AVR and probably the others are front runners in what they do. So how is this process, this sorting prior to, in this case, incineration, where we also talk about this when it comes to landfilling, but in this case, it's incineration. How is this perceived generally in the industry? Well, the image for sorting prior to incineration towards the population is improving through the communication of their green targets by the incineration companies, which is, of course, an important factor for the public opinion and also the new legislation that is set out by the government. 
by these specific companies, this uh, advanced mechanical recycling process is also used as a unique selling point for their, let's say, tendering process. So in the Netherlands, we have a system where the, the household waste is tendered by different regions where the, where the incineration companies can bid and they have to meet certain criteria and there's a scourge behind it. And one of the important factors of the scoring model is efficiency and also the climate footprint they have. So, of course, if they can prove that they have an efficient process where they have recovered a lot of valuable materials and reduce a lot of emissions, then they have a big chance to win contracts. And uh, yeah, AVR, in this case, has processing contracts with large cities like, uh, for instance, Rotterdam, The Hague and Utrecht. They struggle with organizing source collection systems of plastics especially in densely populated cities with a large share of high-rise building. So as you can imagine, if you live in a flat in a high-rise building, you don't have space for a lot of different bins to do separate collection for a lot of different waste streams. Therefore, they try to make it easier for the population and to be able to put certain waste streams together. Of course, we still do separate collection of organic material because it's just a big pollution factor for the valuables. But post-collection separation is therefore a very important solution for these cities. And with the construction of the sorting facility, AVR aimed to offer a wider range of service to existing and prospective customers and support them in improving recycling rates of municipal waste. And I think they have succeeded. We have the both systems in the Netherlands. We are also supplying and supporting the concepts for both systems, so source collection and the post-consumer sorting out of household waste. And there are definitely interesting advantages in both systems. Okay. Is the system complicated? Could you take us through that process? Well, it depends how you define complicated. Of course, for us in the business, it's relatively easy, but you have to think about the start. So where the waste is collected from the households, everybody knows it. Your waste is collected in a bin or in a bag. It's collected by a garbage truck. Usually it's taken to the incineration company directly or via some transfer stations. And after it enters the incineration company, it undergoes a mechanical pretreatment process. So the bags are opened by a bag opener. The organic fraction is removed. So even though we have a separate source collection of organic material in the Netherlands, there still is a high organic content present in the household waste. So we need to remove this by this mechanical process in order to increase the quality and the purity of the recyclables. The material is screened in different fraction sizes in order to be able to process it efficiently. The light and the heavy material, so the films and the bottles and the heavy parts are separated from each other. And then in the end, our sensor-based technology comes into play. That's where we create the mixed fractions of valuable plastics that are later offered for recycling. So in the end, it's a pretty complex process, which can be influenced on a lot of different positions, but all the components together make the complete quality. And this is what makes it so effective. And of course, we've seen in the last few years, we've seen a lot of developments and trends, not only on our own technology, but also in the other technology that is used. So in this case, we think it's a very dynamic business with a lot of potential also for the future. Are there any limits, quantity or, or any other sort of limits to this process? Well, the process is fairly flexible. It needs to be because the material we process and the material that's collected from the households is very diverse. So we need to prepare ourselves for a lot of different types of material that arrives in the plants. 
one of the things we need to take into account is that not all the material that is offered to these plants is suitable for recycling simply because the composition is not the way it should be. There's not enough valuable material in there to make it feasible to sort. Or sometimes it's not feasible to incinerate it because the moisture content is too high, for instance. So these are the limits that these kinds of incineration companies need to calculate with. If you take into account that only AVR on their side is incinerating 1.3 million tons of waste per year, you can imagine what kind of volumes we are talking about and what kind of a challenge it is to process these kinds of materials into high quality recovered fractions. You touched on this a little bit before when you're talking about organic waste being taken out or, or the need to take it out. And in fact, in the holistic resource system, we also talk about separate source collection and for specific material streams. One of those is organic, paper, e-waste, and others. One thing that we purposely leave out is plastics. So with this system, how does it influence the consumer behavior? Does it make it easier for them to manage or handle their waste? Well, as I said, it differs a little bit if you look at the region where the system is operated. So we have some rural areas where a separate collection system for packaging plastics functions quite well because the people have the space for the different bins. They are uh, disciplined in their sorting. They are well educated by the municipalities and they are motivated to do it. But in other areas, big cities with a lot of high-rise buildings, people simply don't have the space and they want to make it easy for themselves. And this is what uh, then the municipality tries to facilitate by allowing them to dispose a mixed fraction of household waste, which includes packaging plastics. Just to get back on your question just now, we also have a separate collection system for paper, for glass and for organic. So this, in my opinion, is a must in order to keep the rest of the material as efficiently as possible. But if I look at AVR at the example, I think they published a case study where they noticed that after commissioning their advanced mechanical sorting plant prior to incineration, they recovered as much plastics in one month by sorting prior to incineration compared to the source collected plastics they collected in one year. So this means that they collect 12 times as much as plastics with the new system prior to incineration than they did with the old source collection system. So you really see there's a big, big difference in the big cities if you take initiative into your own hand and make it easy for the consumer and try to recover the plastics in another way. Okay, that's amazing. 12 times as much. So this is really about maximizing the amount that we can collect to recycle. Correct. Yes. Let's turn our attention now to the actual output. Until now, PET seems to be the plastic of choice, when it comes to recycling at least. And in systems where there is a well-functioning deposit return scheme, this might be the best way to get to that particular material. So if we assume that this is the case, why should we be thinking about sorting prior to disposal, so incineration and landfill? Yeah, I totally agree. I think the PET packaging deposit return scheme is a very nice example of how well a system can function. But of course, not everyone and not every country has a well-functioning deposit return system. So this is, of course, the goal. But in the meantime, 
we will need to get the material from wherever it is. And as I stated before, there are different types of systems in the Netherlands. We are focusing on all the different fractions we can achieve and we can get. And only a deposit return scheme simply is not enough to achieve the ambitious targets set by the European Commission and also by the local government at this time. So it's really a matter of maximizing what we're getting. Definitely. And if we come back to the topic of circular economy, if we really want to get to a true circular economy, we need to get as much material as possible. And this is only possible in combination with advanced mechanical recycling, uh, where we can get the material back to virgin-like qualities with highly detailed mechanical process. So the year recycling quotas force us to look beyond the current state and develop the processes uh, further than they are at the moment. And who's buying this material? What, what are they using it for? Well, in the Netherlands, we have a specific system. So most incineration companies that recover the valuable plastics prior to incineration have a cooperation with a company called Netfang. This is the organization which was established for the fulfillment of the obligations under the EPR for the Dutch packaging industry. And following this cooperation, this company Netfang is responsible for the further sorting and recycling of the output of a sorting facility. So they are the intermediary for the materials. So of course, the goal of this mechanical recycling process is we can shift the process from downcycling, which is sometimes the case, to real recycling, to produce high quality products and uh, reduce the amount of virgin materials that's required for the production process and substitute them by high quality recycled content. So there are already some nice examples currently buying material from the Dutch market. So there are some companies like IKEA, Philips, L'Oreal, etc., which are buying recycled material to use in their new products and therefore getting a nice sustainability image. So these brand owners are actually taking the material? Correct. Different types of qualities, not only PET, but also polyolefins mainly in different types and different colors. So it's a very interesting development. Okay, that's very good news. What's really interesting here, Arnaud, if I understood you correctly, is that the waste that's coming from household can actually be turned into high-quality recycling using what's called advanced mechanical recycling. So now it's not actually a matter of reducing the CO2 emissions, but actually recovering all the material that's out there as much as possible. You've already mentioned this as well. I'm guessing we have to have specific technologies in place. What sort of technologies are we talking about? Yeah, your assumption is totally right. So let me go back a little bit and clarify that we as Tomra have done a lot of research in the past few years to get this process totally visible and as well-functioning as possible. So we invested a lot of time and effort and resources into exploring the options for the high-quality recycling of different types of polymers recovered from household waste. So you can think about different types of sorting, so not only by material, but also by color and by density. So, of course, all of this is done by means of sensor-based sorting. We have a broad portfolio where we can influence a lot of parameters in the different products. So this starts by cleaning up the fractions that are recovered from household waste into monopolymer fractions with a high purity. But of course, with sensor-based sorting, we can only get to a certain level because there is a lot of mechanically added uh, impurities to the material, such as organic content, fluids, whatsoever. So in order to really increase the quality further, we 
need to do a washing step, so cold and hot washing, in combination with some cleaning detergents to really remove the contamination from the materials and leave a really clean input material for the final sorting step, which is the flake sorting. So we grind the material to a very small size and we do a final cleaning step where we remove again the impurities that were released by the washing process. And as a final step, of course, you can imagine, we did not really talk about that yet, but one of the main points for plastic recovered out of household waste is, of course, the smell. If you smell your waste bin at home, you can imagine what I'm talking about. And this is, of course, something which will stick to the material until the end. So thankfully, we found a solution for it in this process. Final step, we do a deodorization and a step to remove the smell and the contamination. And finally, the material, after it's reached its final quality, is extruded, which leads to a final quality, which can then be sold to some packaging producers, which I just summarized. This technology is fairly new, I believe. Is it unique? Well, I think the technology as such is not unique, but the way it's combined into one big process is unique in this case. So the technologies as such have been modified in order to produce the optimum performance for these kinds of materials. So it's really the combination of different steps. This is also where our knowledge lies. We've done a lot of consulting and testing for these kinds of applications in order to be able to develop the best possible process. And this is really unique. We now introduced a new plan together with some partners where we really demonstrate this process from beginning to end. And this is very, very, very promising for the near future. So the level of sorting for plastics is very advanced. We are able to influence a lot of parameters on the material and we are able to produce a very, very high end quality, really comparable to virgin plastics. So when you talk about partners, it sounds to me like there are different partners that maybe we haven't worked with in the past and that we're coming together and really making a concerted effort. Why do you think this is happening now? Well, I think the demand from the market to packaging producers to increase the usage of recycled content is starting to increase also based on the public opinion and uh, the PR campaigns that are being executed. So uh, more and more companies are looking into it, whether they are forced to or not, but it's definitely a clear trend we see. And of course, we are happy to support with our knowledge and our technology to get these systems up and running. And I think it's definitely a, a must if we will be able to reach the targets that the European Commission set for 2025 and 2030. So it sounds like it's legislative forces, consumer demand that's really pushing all of this. But we also need to look at the business side of this for these incinerators and the industry in general. What are the, if any, what are the economic advantages for engaging or doing this pre-sorting? Well, as I mentioned a bit earlier, the way the incinerators process their waste material provides them with an environmental footprint. And this, in turn, can lead to higher gate fees, so a better reward for processing material. Of course, they have a more sellable yield from the materials they recover. If they recover the valuable plastics before incineration, they have a lower calorific value into their incineration process, which leads to a more efficient process with less emissions. And that in turn results into lower CO2 taxes for them. So this is an initial economic factor that will provide them with a benefit. So I think in term, it's a very interesting business all in all. 
And that's why also a lot of companies in the Netherlands decided to invest. Also because it's partially subsidized by the government in order to increase the targets they have set for themselves. So a worthy investment in many ways, it sounds like to me. Correct. Yes. Okay. One last question, Anout. There's always room for improvement. So what's next? How can we improve this process? Yeah, I always like this question because, of course, we spend a lot of time in different types of waste sorting facilities, not only for household waste, but every type of waste. Plastics is a very hot topic. And what we always see, I've seen it a few weeks ago uh, for myself again, design for recycling is a really, really important topic. So we still see that, of course, every type of technology has its limitations. It's not different for us. But if you see the reason for these limitations, then you think to yourself, it's It should not be this hard to improve the type of packaging. So let's say to use different types of materials for certain labels, for certain multi-layer packaging, lids, colors, you name it. If a lot of companies try to put a bit more effort into design for recycling, I think this will be a gigantic impact on the recovery rates at the end of the chain. So if there would be one thing that I would like to see, in the coming years is that there would be a bigger focus on these types of design for recycling initiatives. Thankfully, we are already in contact with a lot of packaging producers which are showing some really nice, new, innovative types of packaging. So we are independent of color, but we have a different tracer type of distinction factors where we can still recover the packaging with a very high quality and efficiency. But I think there's still a lot of work to do. So this is definitely something I would like to see improved. And out. Thank you for taking time. I know you're a busy guy. So thank you for taking the time to better understand how actually an existing method already is making a difference in climate change. Thanks a lot, Mithil. It was a pleasure. I'd like to leave you with this. Walter Stahill, a Swiss architect who's been influential in developing various fields in sustainability, has said, The goods of today are the resources of tomorrow at yesterday's resource prices. To learn more, go to tamra.com. <laughs>